This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 244. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a Colored Pencil Podcast. Weekly discussions in and around this medium that we love so much. Hello, my name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com, and I'm joined today by Karen Hull. You're listening to the Colored Pencil Podcast, and if you're interested at all in creating realistic colored pencil art, photorealism, then you can do a whole lot worse than Karen Hull. I've been wanting to talk to her on the podcast and bring her on here for a long time now. Karen, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Hi. Hi, John. I'm thrilled to be here. Take us way back and tell me what got you started, I guess, in using colored pencil. Have you always used colored pencil or has that been something that you started exploring that medium recently or take us back and tell us about that? So I think I'm like so many people, you know, as a kid, I drew my favorite present to get for birthday and Christmas was always a tin of colored pencils and, you know, I'd open that lid and the colors would excite me. And, um, you know, I drew all the time as a kid, but then you get to your teenage years and, um, you know, then I started a career in nursing. I was a registered nurse for 25 years, raised, yeah, raised four boys. Um, so I was always crafty. I always loved making things. Um, but rarely drew for most of those years. Uh, and then in 2006, we went on a family holiday to Tasmania. Oh, cool. And yeah. And I remember sitting on a beach there looking out to the horizon and I just, it was like an epiphany. I just thought Mm. I have to draw. And I picked up a pebble and a sharp stone and I just started you know, drawing on this pebble and you're kidding me. No, I'm not. And it was just like this overwhelming thing. I I have to do art. And I Ah. dragged, I dragged my husband, Steve and the kids to every gallery and art (laughs) store in Tasmania and started building up supplies and just couldn't get enough of it. So, and then came home and I sort of started with miniatures, watercolors, okay. and then fairly quickly moved to colored pencils because I think deep down colored pencils was what I'd always loved anyway. And I loved, you know, the portability and the fact you don't have to mix them and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it started about 2006 and, you know, I, I do have a bad kind of habit of starting things and then getting bored easily and then shifting to something else. And now, you know, sort of 14 years later, I'm still still doing well art and working with colored pencils and still loving them. So, um, yeah, very cool. That, okay, that was so kind of how it started. Yeah, neat. Okay, all on a beach there, and the closest In, thing to a pencil or any writing instrument was yep. a rock. Huh? Yeah, yep. <laughs> I love that story. Yep. At Penguin That's in so Tasmania. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and so I, I I guess I should mention that um, in case you don't know, Karen Hull is from. Australia. What part again are you Sydney. in? Sydney. Sydney. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. Then you started in watercolor. Really, you were inspired, and in whatever happened there in 2006. So you got excited and rekindled some some type of something in you that said, "Hey, yes. I want to do art again." Yes. Started yes. doing it, but you started in watercolor. Did why why did you make that choice? Did you think 
that's a I lot think of it was because people coming we, back to art do that. So, well, I think because we were in Tasmania, um, and you could pick up a palette of watercolors relatively cheaply, and oh. so I just, you know, picked up some pan colors and 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 started dabbling. And also, I think was I was immediately struck by miniatures because I'd always loved small things. And we went to a gallery where there was a an artist there who had done miniatures in watercolors and I fell in love with what he was doing and thought, Oh, I'll try that. You know? Oh, very um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I did very tight watercolors and, um, I, I think it Not just Not a lot was of washes. You were like No, just, yeah. I've never, I've never mastered the whole washes thing. I think gotcha. whatever medium I use, I do tend to work quite tight, which is why you know, colored pencils suit me. Yeah. Uh, but, the, you know, I actually would – it's a goal of mine to loosen up and to get freer and um, – Ah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. When do you think yeah. that will happen? Well, it's actually – Is it happening? It, it's – well, it's it's not happening easily. You know, <laughs> the funny thing is um, – and I think the reason people sort of buy my portrait book or a lot of my tutorials is because they right. want to work in a – a realistic style. They want to achieve yeah. realism, you know. And right. for me, um, realism has always been kind of easy. You know, I find it, I, I don't know, it's an instinctive thing. You take a photo, you look at the colours, the shading, the depths, the tone, and, and I've never found it difficult to sort of replicate that, which is, you know, that kind of cops a bit of criticism in the art world too, or you're just a photocopier, you know, all that kind of thing that you get. But to use your imagination, to loosen up, to move away from the photo is a real challenge for me. And so I think, you know, that's that's probably the direction I want to move in for no other reason than it's hard for me and it's a challenge. And and I think as artists, we're always looking for that next challenge. If it if it's hard for you to achieve realism, then that's what you want to achieve. It's hard for me to be imaginative, to be loose, to be creative right. and you know, so that's what I want to achieve, but it's not easy for me. That's fascinating. Now, some are listening, and realism is not easy, does not come naturally. Um, yes. You're saying it's easy. You've written books and tutorials. So how how do you communicate something that is so innate for you? Well, it, it's it's been a challenge over the years because I sort of have to put myself in the shoes of somebody um, who, who doesn't, you know, because say, even when I did my craftsy class, which is mm -hmm. now called Blueprint, okay, um, right. you know, and I talk about, don't, cause you're, if you're looking at skin, I think your brain will tell you, okay, you need to use flesh colors. But actually, if you really look at a, a photo, you'll see that there's maybe gray, blue, lilac, green. Right, There's right. a whole lot of colors there that you might, your brain will say, but skin doesn't have those colors in there. So, you know, I'm trying to kind of coach people to, to look for the colors that your eyes will see if you look closely enough, if you kind of just block out the fact that you think skin right. is flesh tone, you know. And then if you add, say you add lilac and you think, oh, now that's too purple. So then go and add a bit more green and then just keep a, use really light layers and keep adjusting until you get to um, a color you think. But the other thing is I think people can get a bit hung up on getting the exact colors. You know, I, I right. need to replicate the colors in that, that photo exactly. That's not something that I've sort of 
um, ever worried about because I think you can still achieve a high level of realism um, by having quite diverse colours to what you see in your reference photo and it's more about the the shading, the depth, the, you know, the contrast rather than the exact yeah. colours you use. So I try and encourage people to don't get hung up. You know, if you don't have the exact colours I have, if you can't see the same colours that I can see, it really doesn't matter. Right. No, I love that advice. It's very good. Yeah, the colour selections are always subordinate to uh, values and everything else. Yes. Yeah, I yes. love that. Yeah, yeah. But yet you've put together some impressive color charts. So could you talk about those for a moment? I mean, so you, you are encouraging people to look for colors and search yes. out, you know, search for colors that you may not immediately be aware of. But yeah, you know, so talk about that if you could. Sure. To talk about the charts or yeah, to talk the charts about. And yeah, so yeah. that's a that's so, a good aid for someone who can't see those things, right? Yes. Well, I um, or is it just a, a cross tab like this is the brand here is uh, a substitute you could use instead if you don't have this particular color with this brand you can use this other one or right. do I have that wrong? No, no, you are right. I mean, okay. I really, um, you know, if if I was sort of looking at a reference, um, I wouldn't need to know what color somebody else had used. I just look at the reference and think, what do I need to use? What but there's a lot of artists out there who struggle with that and they want to, they want a formula. Um, yeah. but yeah. you know, back when I created the charts in 2012, I had polychromos. And at that time, I think the majority of American artists really love the Prisma colors. And so I'd started to create tutorials, but had got feedback from uh, particularly American artists. Well, you're creating these tutorials using polychromos, but I don't use them. So your tutorials are no good to me. <laughs> and so I thought, well, there must be a way around this. You know, right. if I can give them some guidance and say, well, that's okay. You've got Prisma colors. I'm using polychromos. If I use this color, then you'll use that color. And so the charts started with about, I think, just the four main um brands at that time uh i think it might have been five um just to meet a need really and to yeah. help people who um are working with tutorials in different brands i think it's um, and I, yeah well it's a great it was idea. kind of i didn't even know if it was going to take off it was just something i thought well it seems like people are struggling with this so you know it took it took about four or five weeks to create all the swatches. It was very right. time consuming. Yeah. It was com it was very boring. <laughs> right. And I didn't even know if if people were going to find these charts useful. Yeah. But you know, over the years, they have been my biggest seller. And oh, you know, awesome. then as new brands like the Luminance came along, and then the Derwent Light Fast, and so I've added those in. Um, to help people and um, yeah so I, I hear from students of mine all the time uh, referencing those charts and how helpful they've been so that that's, that's lovely. awesome I, I that's love lovely that. yeah that's good to hear so the first time I, so I saw um, a color pencil drawing of yours and it was in the Cincinnati Color Pencil Society of America International Exhibition I believe the name was Uncle Ben, I may have that wrong. Uh, it, um, oh gosh! And uh, he's he's playing a harmonica. Elliot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, I've got to look it up myself. Grandpa Elliot. Okay, 
Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with that. I'm, I'm okay. just, I'm yeah, sure yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's grandpa. Oh, that, just... that was my first exposure to you. I had, I, have uh, not, yeah. I didn't yeah. see anything online at all, but I yeah, saw grandpa that piece. Ah, oh, yes. that was, that was, uh, it was breathtaking to me. And I, I just could not believe that. Uh, it was just, uh, I was very, very. to me. It's amazing to me. I, I feel, you know, I got so much positive feedback about that portrait and I think it was one that I did in an afternoon. But to me, I feel like the reason that people are impressed or moved by that portrait isn't actually the artwork. I think it's the it's the subject matter. You know, he's he's he Well, it's all of a, it really, but well, the, maybe, it's executed but, you know, so it's, well. It's, Art is one of those things that's, you know, you can put so much work into one artwork and nobody, nobody comments nobody or likes and, you know, yeah. Yeah. and then you'll, and then you'll throw together a quick one that just oh, yeah. for some reason it right. moves people and it, and Grandpa Elliot was one of those pieces. And it, it's, you know, if you could bottle that up and, and yeah. think, okay, you know, then that yeah, would exactly. be, that would be awesome. But it's one of those things you can't pick, can you? And, no, and no. I do think, you know, the fact that he's, He's blind. He's a, you know, he's a, a street musician in New Orleans and an iconic fellow. My brother took that photo. He was in New Orleans with Very his, cool. um, I think he was on his honeymoon many years ago and oh, wow. took that photo. And I, I just thought, Oh, what a classic. And it's a terrible photo in terms. Of it's very grainy and, um, I mean, it's a great photo, but it's a grainy photo, and yeah. And I thought there was something special about the reference, and I just thought, oh, I'd like to draw that. But yeah, it, it's one that at the time did create a lot of interest. So, what is your primary subject that you um, tend to gravitate towards? Yeah, Do you have a subject matter that you? <laughs> Because, like I said, I I do I get bored really easily, yeah. okay. um, and I'm always looking for the the sort of next challenge. So, um, I do tend to. I think if I had a favorite subject matter, it probably is whimsical critters. Um, you know, people who follow me. Um, you know, I think probably my most popular artworks are the photorealistic portraits. Mm -hmm. um, but I have seen some mice here and there. Yeah, yeah, I love doing. I love doing all that stuff. You know, I yeah. actually, I, I get bored doing photorealistic portraits. I know that's a, a terrible thing to say, but <laughs> why is um, that terrible? <laughs> um, I don't know because I, I know that's what people want me to do sometimes, and I, and I think that's their expectation, just, huh? Yeah, I think it is their expectation. But mm -hmm. to me, I, I with a, even though when you do a portrait, you are trying to create. You, um, you know, to capture the essence of the person that you're drawing. And it's, right. and it's actually a very, it is an intimate process drawing, yeah. um, a person. So it isn't, you know, when people say, Oh, you know, it's, it's, why not just take a photo? It's nothing like taking a photo because you are, you know, you're, you're documenting every little aspect and you're also, putting a bit of yourself into that person's portrait because, you know, if you line up a dozen people and get them all to draw the same person and using the same reference, the artworks are still going to look different. And so there's still an element of the artist in every portrait. But I think I've just reached that point with my art where um, it, it, I do, if I take a photo and I try and, you know, do a, a photorealistic portrait from that photo that I do now feel a bit like a photocopier, which is, 
you know, I, I really want to challenge myself to use my imagination to move away from using references and to create something that I can't see in a photo. And I find that really hard. So, um, you know, the whimsical critters are hard for me. I think, you know, in our world today, um, we've got, um, so much, in social media, in the news, there's so much sort of gloom and darkness and um, so much focus on negativity that I, I, I guess what I mostly like to convey with my art is, is kind of humour, love, light, you know, all that fluffy stuff that people go, oh, that's so cheesy. But I think that's what I love to do, you know, that that's yeah. what makes me happy. And I think if I can put a smile on someone's face, then that's what I really love to do. So there's no kind of deep meaning in my art. I don't have some big story to tell. I just like to put a smile on someone's face. So um, it's interesting. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, you, you, so you got bored. Just correct me if I'm wrong though. So you, yeah. you, you got kind of bored with, uh, doing photorealistic portraits. Yes. So how I, long I, have you done them? And when did you, did you, do you see a progression in your skill and ability from the time you started? I don't know if sure. I've ever seen for any sure. of those. Okay. And then um, how long then you feel like maybe you hit sort of a plateau with what you were wanting to do and now you're wanting to loosen up. Well, so how long was it? I guess I'll just give you a hundred questions be, at once. Well, Sorry. no, you're fine. <laughs> um, the, the funny thing is, you know, people say to me, oh, you know, that artwork was really good. And, and I'll look at it and, and, you know, I think most artists are like this. And I think, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's really not that good. I'm, I'm not that happy with it. And I think you see all the problems. <laughs> well, yeah, every, yeah. I, I think, I think with portraiture too, they're so, um, there's not a lot of room for error. Um, and so, you know, sometimes what I'll do when I finished a portrait is I'll put it on the screen next to the photo and I just think, Oh God, I'm, I'm so hopeless. You know, I, I, I'm no good at this portraiture stuff. So I very rarely kind of finish a portrait and go, Oh, that looks great. That's just how I wanted it to look, you know, where I guess, um, with whimsical artworks, there's a bit more room for error. People aren't going to be saying, no, you just, you, you got that wrong there kind of thing. So, um, you know, I think, uh, of course, with every artwork you do, you improve. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, I can, I can see that I have improved over the years, but I never got to a point where I thought, yeah, I've perfected that. I, it, it's time to move on. I think it's more that, it's actually perhaps more a feeling of dissatisfaction where I, I think, oh, gosh, I slaved over this photorealistic portrait. And, yes, I've replicated all the, the colours and the values and everything, but it, it still doesn't look as good as what I want it to do. Um, whereas if I do, you know, say a rainbow sparrow um, and, and you know, it's colourful, it's fun, it puts a smile on people's faces and there's less of that sort of self-criticism there. Um, well, your taste is so, changing a little bit. It sounds like, and your um, interest. Not really, because well, yeah. it's it's well. If you so after I moved away from watercolors and miniatures, I actually started selling on eBay these little. Uh, you well, you would have heard of artist trading cards, the mm-hmm. ATCs, yeah. Right, and sure. so they had the ACEOs, which was artists. Artist yeah, cards, editions, originals, or something like that. So the same, yeah. yeah. So the same as an artist trading card, but you sell them. So I actually um, moved away to these little ACOs, and I was selling them on eBay. And I, it, it's really strange, you know. I, I, I 
remember I sold this $20 ACEO on eBay and I started to cry. I was so excited, you know. And <laughs> right. <laughs> it's exciting, so, though. <laughs> it was exciting, you know. <laughs> and But back then I was doing the colourful, whimsical artwork. Uh, and then I yeah. think I thought – you know, no one's going to take me seriously while I'm doing these little colourful critters. Uh, so it, it was probably more um, at that point thinking, oh, I'd like to be taken a bit more seriously as an artist. And so, you know, By I then – um, Well, I think at that, at that point I was still nursing. And because okay. I had sold some ACOs, I thought, right. oh, maybe I, you know, I, I then sort of started to ask around if people wanted, you know, me to do family and friends do a portrait for them and I actually started um doing graphite portraits and uh then I started to get orders for them and so um but then I thought um I I prefer working in color than graphite and Uh so then I sort of moved over to doing um colored pencil portraits and taking commissions for those um and I was getting I I start because people will often say what should I charge for my commissions? So I started too low and then I was getting way too much work. I Mm -hmm. I was doing, I was doing seven commissions a week and I couldn't keep up with it. So I gradually, yeah, I I gradually upped the price until I I sort of reached a a level that I was happy with and that I was making the amount of money that I felt that they were worth. And at that point I gave up nursing. So I think, you know, for anybody out there, that's the advice I give to people when they say, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how should I price my commissions? I say, well, you know, start with what you're comfortable, but start a little bit lower. And yeah. then as you start to get more and more work, you can put your prices up and, and it's, you've got to strike that happy balance between right. getting, you know, you're not overworked, but you're getting enough work kind of thing. And because where did you find your clients? I'm, I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, no, no. Uh, mostly through, um, Etsy, I think. Okay. Um, it, because back then, I can't remember when Facebook took off. I think I've been on Facebook about 10 years, but Facebook wasn't such a big thing back Sounds then. Sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, so I think um, it was It wasn't mostly, a huge deal, though, back then either. Um, no, I think. It, it was there, but. It was there, but there yeah. weren't that many artists then right. um, advertising commissions. And because oh, I, I sort of looked around to see what everybody else was charging and I thought, Oh yeah, I'll charge a bit under that. Uh, and then I got inundated with requests and, right. and then, <laughs> so then I thought, okay, that's too cheap. We need to go up from there. Uh, and then you get repeat customers and word sort uh-huh. of spreads and, um, nice. it went from there. So, um, yeah, I, I think, um, I'm trying to think then of my progression. I, I, you know, if you look at my body of work, it's very, it jumps around a lot. I love mixing colored pencils with other mediums. So a lot of what I do stems from a curiosity of thinking, oh, what will happen if I try colored pencils with this or on this surface? And what is so the most think, creative thing you've done then with colored pencil? Probably the 3D resin pieces. I don't know if you've had a look at the 3D no, resin what is pieces. That? So what I do is I start with the. Is it on your website? Yeah, it is on my website. In your gallery, uh, I'm, I'm guessing? Uh, yes, I'm just 3D art. So if you go to 3D art on my website. So they're all created with most of them. There's a couple that have mixed acrylic, a colored pencil and acrylics. 
Uh, but most of those, I don't know if you're looking at it, are done with uh, layers of coloured pencil on drafting film with resin yeah. between each layer of drafting film. So I start, you know, you get the cradled birch ply. Uh, uh-huh. You can get that from the art shop. Um, and so I, I flip it around, use the underneath side. Right. Uh, and paint the frame black and then put, and then put some white polypropylene in the base. Start with a layer of resin, put my first layer of drafting film, which has, you know, so if you're looking there, I've got So a, the curious visitor, I'm looking at that one. Did you yeah. do that the same type of process so that, so yeah. what is the, the layer of polypropylene? What is that? Uh, that just do gives for you, you? A, a white background. Okay. Which okay. if, you know, a white to start, a really right. bright white. So you sure. can see that light shining through with the, the visitor uh. one there. That's how you achieve uh, it, that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It just gives you a nice bright white light if that's what you want. You know, I've got to lay a customer at the moment who's messaging me and she says, but I'm really struggling to get the drafting film blue enough for a blue sky. And she's doing this whole resin process. And I said, look, it's just get rid of the polypropylene. Don't worry about that. Paint your frame blue or the base of your frame ah, blue, a nice bright blue, and that then that sense. will shine through yeah. as a nice bright blue sky. So I think she's doing that. Um, well, and you did something so, like that, I'm guessing, maybe similar on horsing around on that one, yeah. perhaps? Uh, yeah, horsing around, it, the cat is colored pencil on drafting film, and then that has multiple layers of resin where the weeds and the seahorse are actually acrylic acrylic okay gotcha yeah so uh uh, all the the cat ones the three cat ones are drafting Mm. film cats and then acrylic on top the um first four pictures with the bee on the flower the kookaburra the rosella and the um oh the lorikeet and the Uh owl they're all Colored pencil on drafting film, uh, usually three or four layers of drafting film. So three because or what happens, four sheets of drafting film. Yeah. So if you, together. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what happens? Um, and the re- people say, well, why use the resin? And and you know, there's been kind of mixed um, reviews, I suppose, about this process because it is quite a convoluted process. And and I guess some people would say, well, why bother? What I did find with the resin. So if you laid if you did this process and you just laid the four layers of drafting film on top of each other, the drafting film, whilst it is translucent, you yeah. wouldn't be able to see the the underneath the fourth layer very well. So when you add resin between the layers of drafting film, it increases the transparency of the drafting film. So that was sort of one of ah, the motivation. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That so makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it was. Did just, you come up with that process? Yeah. Well, wow. because I, I guess. It's impressive. That's you know I'd I'd seen these three D works, um, you know on Instagram. There's there's but mostly with acrylics, um, you know where they do the layers and they painstakingly build up. You know I, I don't know if you've seen the one yeah. of the um, octopus and there's a few amazing ones with the resin and the paint. And being a colored pencil artist, I thought, oh, I wonder if I can get a similar result using colored pencils. So when you're using the colored pencils on drafting film and then the layer of resin, you do have to fix the colored pencil layer with quite a few layers of fixative before you add the resin because otherwise the resin dilutes the colored pencil work down quite a bit. And it still does a little bit. So you do... 
especially in those underneath layers, you do lose some of the the vivid colors. So um, that's kind of your atmospheric resin. kind of background, I guess. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, okay. that was the idea. So yeah. it, it was sort of one of those things I thought, it's just, I wonder if this will work. And that, that's right. probably how a lot of my artworks are created. Not so much, oh, I've got a story to tell. I've got, you know, this, yeah. uh, this is, it's more like a natural, I would probably call myself an experimenter more than an artist, you know. It's, <laughs> it's just no, curious to see how, you know, well, what's going to happen if I try this? So over the years, I've had numerous failures, like, so many, so many pieces have gone in the bin. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I think that's um, like I said to you when we had our earlier conversation, if I yep. had one message for people um, when it comes to art, it's it's to be fearless. You know, it, uh -huh. it, it, it doesn't matter if you stuff up and it doesn't matter if it doesn't look exactly as you kind of imagine. It, it's just get in there and have a go yep. and see what happens, you know, and I think yeah. – that's I, re I really also, like that. Yeah, I, and that's how my tutorials came about. I didn't create tutorials um, with the goal of making money. That wasn't the sort of mm -hmm. I, I, um, back when I started creating tutorials. There weren't a lot of coloured pencil tutorials available online, but um, I was working quite extensively with coloured pencils on drafting film, and there weren't a lot of other artists out there working on drafting film. And so, you know, I. And the, and the drafting film gives the pencil works a sort of luminous look that's hard to achieve yeah. on paper. So people right. would see that and then they'd, they'd message me. I was getting so many messages and emails saying, you know, how, how do you achieve that? You know, what, how do you work on the drafting film? Uh, and, and there were so many questions and I thought, well, I'll put together a tutorial. Mm -hmm. And initially I started with them on my website for free. Uh, and then they, you know, it just took off. People were so hungry so for cool. information. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. Um, you know, there's now a lot of artists who are selling tutorials uh, on coloured pencils. Uh, and, you know, if people ask for, you know, uh, I, I need a tutorial on drawing animals, say, right. on pastel mat or paper or something, then I refer them to other artists because I think um, there are a lot of artists who work sort of um, in a regular way with coloured pencils. Mm -hmm. And because a lot of my tutorials deal with a more diverse way of working with coloured pencils, they're probably not mostly for the beginner artist. They're more for somebody who wants to dabble and try something a bit different. So my tutorials aren't for everybody. Um, mm -hmm. But they're just for people who want to try something a bit different, I think. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hear a lot uh, from my students about your books and, um, well, your your main book, I guess, the one on portraits. I hear yes. a lot um, of good reviews, uh, that's good comments about that book uh, and how much they've learned from that. So that I think that's that's fantastic. That is uh, awesome. Are, are, so you mentioned, though, that at one point there, you wanted to be taken a little more seriously. Um, is that still like a, a primary kind of goal or, or anything like that? Or is that no? No. What, no. <laughs> what's, and are you taking commissions now or are you not doing No, that? I stopped doing commissions a while ago because okay. I think – I see so many artists go through this process. You know, they they um, have reached the point where they've done some artworks and now they want to 
I suppose be taken more seriously, maybe earn some income from their art and so they want to move into the the world of, you know, taking commissions. And it is so exciting when you start to get commissions and you realise that people are prepared to part with their hard-earned money to buy something that you've created. It is really, really exciting. Absolutely. But then after a while and then you get people and they send you dreadful photos and they expect you to create miracles from their <laughs> There's dreadful photos. There's a downside for sure. <laughs> there is a downside and then they start to nitpick and, yeah, um, yeah. you know, it, it can be a, a challenging road. Um, and so – Is um, that why you moved away from them or were you just more busy doing the tutorials and other things or was it a mix of both? It was a mix. Yeah. It was a mix. I, I don't think I ever really – Loved doing commissions because I worried too much. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I think that's, that's common. You know, oh, I think yeah. any, oh, yeah. yeah. When you create an artwork, if I, well, I guess the artworks I've loved the most have been the ones where I have created them for tutorials. There's no pressure. It doesn't yeah. matter if anybody likes it. Um, and it really doesn't matter if people buy the tutorial or not either. I'm just creating this artwork because it's something I want to create. Um, so I love doing that. But with commissions, yeah, there's just always at the back of your mind is is the customer going to be happy with this, and that that's sort of a uh, it never goes away. I don't think I don't think it matters how good you are. It, it, uh, well, I mean, maybe there's some artists out there who go, "Yep, that's amazing. The client's going to love it." I never got to that point. <laughs> I've myself. never met one of those, by the way. No. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I don't really. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Uh, yeah. Wow. So I, I guess another thing that I'm thinking about then with regard to, um, you know, you mentioned that you th- these were goals, I guess, you know, and then you yes. got busy. Um, so you wanted to be taken seriously. Are there current goals? What what are like what are some other things that you're wanting to do? You were wanting well, to make income. It, it appears to me and I may be uh, interpreting some things. So tell me if I got it wrong. And you wanted to replace that nursing income. And it sounds yes. like you did. Yes. And so then what's on the horizon? I mean, what, what are you looking for like in five years kind of time frame? Well, I'm the, I, I, over the years, I've, I've probably said this several times, I'm not one for setting goals. I, I never set goals. Um, most of the opportunities that have come my way in the last sort of five, ten years have been uh, things that I haven't sought. They've just They've just come along. And actually, because I'm, um, what would you say? You know, I, I can kind so of. So it's a natural with- thing that just happens when you're, you're create, you're being the artist and you're doing what you love to do. Then some opportunities appear at once you're in the so. trenches and doing and, something. Well, you know, partly because I think my focus was not. Yes, I did want to be taken seriously as an artist, but I also loved and have always loved mentoring other artists. And so my focus has, has not necessarily been about, you know, what can I achieve? Yeah. Um, it's just been a natural appreciation for art and, and uh, wanting to help other artists with their art. And I think, you know, that has opened just being, you know, enjoying mentoring other artists has opened doors that I wouldn't have foreseen for myself. I would never, you know, Anne Kahlberg contacted me in 2015 and said, would you like to come to the US and do a series of three workshops? And my natural inclination was to say no. 
and run away because the thought <laughs> the thought terrified me i'd never yeah. run i'd never run a workshop i'd never attended a workshop didn't know the first thing about workshops but i knew that if i didn't do that i would kick myself for the rest of my life so oh, it yeah. was sort of okay you know this is part of your self development karen you're going to right. do this you're going to do this even if it scares the hell out of you you're going to do it yeah. and so um i i sort of i i with my sort of heart in my stomach, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that sounds fantastic. And then, <laughs> you know, I, I did it. And then um, uh, Craftsy contacted me and said, would you like to do a, you know, a video with us um, over in Denver? And, again, my instinct was to say no. But I thought, <laughs> But no, you didn't you say know. that, huh? I didn't say no. And, and <laughs> you know. Because you're, you're sort of a, an introvert, right? Oh, very much an introvert. Very, I, I mean, like most, you know, there are some artists who love to be out there in the limelight, yeah. but I think the majority of artists you talk to are happiest at their, you know, their desk or their ease or oh, whatever, yeah. just right. happily drawing, being creative. And I think that that Absolutely. is most of us, you know, so, um, I, I, I felt like a fraud going to America and doing three workshops when I'd never even done a workshop before. But I had to go there with a focus. Okay. It doesn't matter what they think of me. It's what can you give to them? And so I uh, had to go in there yeah. with that focus. And so uh, that's sort of right. how I try and approach everything. It's not, you know, cause then artists will contact me and say, well, how can I kind of achieve what you've achieved? And I think, I think you focus. It can't be, you know, what can I, what can I get out of this? What can I right. achieve for myself? It's no, that doesn't have, help the student at all. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. So. Do you find yourself though processing through a drawing differently when you're preparing for a tutorial or a workshop uh, than you would if you're just sitting down there and drawing for yourself? Um, or is it the same? Well. Do you I skip think it's, it, it's, certain steps once in a while because you understand how to get the drawing completed regardless of which order you go in. But I, I guess the reason I'm asking is I find myself doing that. When I'm processing through something and I know this is going to go in one of my courses or something like that, I'm a little more methodical about the way I approach it. Uh, right. And I'm less structured when I'm just going to draw for myself and I know that I can work through it and figure it out as I go, but I'm not going to do that to a student typically. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I just wondered if there is a difference for you. Probably not because if you look at my tutorials, if you read my tutorials and, you know, sometimes a drawing will progress a certain way, there'll be issues. And then in my tutorial, I will talk about those issues. Um, so I'm actually so we're on really, the journey with you. Is that right? Yes. Sort of like and so I'll say, okay, well, this is, this is what happened. And you can see that in this scan. So uh -huh. if you want to avoid that happening, this is what you'll do differently. So ah, I think, very good. yeah, those are key yeah, takeaways so, then that you're yeah. showing how to correct things that if they well, don't yeah, go I'm quite pretty, the way you want. That's and that happens. Yeah, that, that happens all the time. So I'm very honest with the students all the time. Um, and usually, so in the past with my tutorials that have been smaller, I just do the drawing as normal, and then I have a tray with all the pencils that I've used, and then I go back and try and remember what I did in every stage, uh, which can be challenging. So now I tend to do so with some of the landscapes that I've done. 
um, the last couple of tutorials, which are much more involved, I would do it in stages and, and break it up into sections and, and, um, do the tutorial as I went, which sometimes I think I wish I'd done this years ago because it is much easier <laughs> trying to do it as you go rather than remembering oh, right. at the end of the artwork. Are you taking um, in progress, uh, stills? No, I should. Oh, scans, yes. But yeah, I think so I should that, take more notes. I don't, I don't. Oh, take gotcha. Notes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But scans, yes. I, I regularly scan. So you're scanning artwork. it incrementally yes. as you're working through there. Yeah. That's right. Gotcha. That's right. And I rely on the scans to sort of think, oh, what colors? But also, um, you know, as I do an artwork, so say a portrait, you know, I might use 70 colors. I try and, uh, cull that down a little bit for the tutorial because that, that is a common complaint with my tutorials. Oh my God, you use so many colors. There's a lot of you colors. <laughs> There's a lot of colors and, and I'm <laughs> conscious of that, you know, because, um, I'm blessed to have a lot of colored pencils, but not everybody's yeah. in that position. So what I don't are want your favorite have- materials? What like currently, like what, uh, what, the pencils, let's talk about that. Like what are your favorite pencils now? So you mentioned polychromos, but. Do you yeah. use all of them or are you discriminate yeah. a little bit when you're deciding on well, the particular no, project? I, or? It depends. I mean, with some okay. of the rainbow projects that I've done, yes, you could use any, I could use nearly every polychromo, but usually I'll start with the polychromos as my base. Uh, and I love the, I think nearly every work, artwork I do at the moment, I'll use polychromos, pablos. I'll use the very thins for cleaning mm-hmm. up um, and doing detail work or cleaning up. Um, around the edges, uh, I'll use, I love the luminance and I really love the light fast as well. So they're probably most of my artworks now would use all of those brands. I don't stick to one brand. Right. So, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but polychromos are my staple. Okay. Uh, oh, and I, gotcha. will throw in the, I, I will throw in Prismacolors here and there too, but they're a little bit soft for me. So uh, Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, know, I know there's a lot of people who love them. So, so you like that yeah. hardness with the polychromos line of pencils? I do for detail work, yeah. but I love the fact that you can, particularly on drafting film, if you've done a base with polychromos and then you go over it with the luminance, it just lifts the color and, mm. you know, adds so much richness and intensity. Mm-hmm. So uh, the polychromos, you know, they're not that kind of rich and intense. So um, they're fabulous for those underneath layers and the fine detail, but some of the other brands are better for adding the intensity and richness that we might want. Drafting film is that is that your favorite, or do you use other uh, papers? Or yeah, I mean, drafting film has been the surface that I've probably done the most artworks on. Okay. Um, these days, I also love using the Xerox Nevertear. So that is so drafting film is one hundred percent polyester. The Xerox mm-hmm. um, Nevertear is a, a printing paper that is also one hundred percent polyester, but it's an opaque white instead of being translucent like drafting ah, film. So, so you're only drawing on one side. On you that. are only drawing on one side, but the downside of the Xerox Nevertear is first of all that it's sold as a printer paper, so it's very hard to get by the sheet. You have to buy it by the ring which is very expensive and also it has a coating on it that makes it receptive to printing which isn't acid free so I'm always honest Mm. with people 
that you know I've got artworks that were done on the never tear sort of four or five years ago that haven't changed at all but I mean mm-hmm. anytime you're using any kind of art medium yeah. that's not not acid free you don't know right. what the long-term effects will be so um but yeah, I, I does just, that worry you a little bit I mean um well it's not exactly archival or um, well, I'm honest with anybody who's bought my artworks um, that that's the case. I just don't know what the long-term effect will be. But yeah. in four or five years, there's been no changes. So, um, of course, it, it does. But then I, I guess I just love what you can achieve on it because the, it's such a, a bright white. You can scratch into yeah. it. Um I guess it's it's sometimes for me. Yes, it is. It is a concern. We all want to work on archival right. uh, materials and and do the best thing by our customers. Um, but I guess it's the surface that is allows me to do what I want to do more than any other surface. So you know, I, I love that about it. You know, I can yeah. do watercolor pencil base with it and then go over it with colored pencils. I can scratch back white highlights. It it takes a lot of punishment. Um, so Sounds yeah, like I, it. I really, <laughs> now yeah, how are you doing yeah. these scratches? What what are you using for that? I use the uh, sliced uh, ceramic pen knife. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of Pretty people cool. are using those now, and they're just right. fabulous because they're. Yeah. I use I use the ceramic um, pen knife on drafting film, um, on any. You can use it on pastel mat or any surface really. I use it in my crafty um, video tutorial to scratch up fine hairs around and that's on that board um so it's not as abrasive to paper as a stainless steel knife an exacto knife but it's still very effective so i do have one i'm afraid i'm gonna kill myself though i've i've tested with it but (laughs) i'm just teasing but i mean i have one i'm just (laughs) i'm really not uh proficient at it we'll put it that way i've tested with it a little bit like this is weird i don't know on what surface have you tried Uh, it well yeah, I've tried it on drafting film. I keep oh, testing really? on drafting film, thinking, okay, yes. I'm going to start using drafting film. I've tested on uh, Stonehenge, which did not yes. go very well. No, no. Um, and I tested on, what else? Uh, probably a sanded paper, sanded surface. Yeah. Um, which it You need um, multiple layers of pencil pigment down first. First, get- yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then, yeah, that's true. Yeah, which which pen knife have you got? Have you got one? Let with me see a, if I can grab it real quick. Okay, <laughs> if it's okay. where I think it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one go second. for it. Okay. Okay. I don't know if you can see this. Um, this is gonna be hard. Oh to yeah, see. no, that's that's what I thought you were going to say you had. Okay. Yeah, that one's that one's pretty no, I I don't want to say useless, but I mean oh, I sliced. I think what? I guess the brand name is Slice. Yeah, no, but that one is more for cutting paper, not for okay. scratching. It, it, you could use it for really, really fine scratches, but I've got a couple of yeah. those and I rarely use them. Yeah, so real tiny. the yeah, the one you want is the pen knife, which has a much bigger blade and it actually has a curve, oh. a curve oh. on the um, pointy end of the blade. Oh, that makes sense. Um, yeah, and. Um, it, it's much better. I use that one. I've got a couple of different kind of slice pen knives, but that real fine one that you've got there, I hardly ever use. It's for a, it's for small, tiny little details. I was thinking in the eyes is what my idea was. With um, that one but, though, that, that yeah, be but scratchy. I think it's so small you're not going to see. Yeah, it. yeah. No, I think that one's more for cutting paper. You know, for those yeah. people who do the 
real fine paper cutting. But um, if it you was can get probably your hands on something that I put in my cart on Amazon during Black Friday or something like that that uh, popped up. I don't know. I can't remember how I how I got it, but that was well. The, the, the so I need that curved knife. Yeah, and it's the retractable yeah. one is really good. Okay, um, and you can get replaceable blades. So if you can uh-huh. get your hands on one of those, I reckon you might like it a little bit more because it's, you know that 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 little fine one is is too it's too fine so it doesn't exactly. if you're using it on drafting film or a surface it, it's it just kind of digs up the surface yeah Whereas the the pen knife that has more of a curved kind of blade um it's sense. it's much more effective yeah now somebody told me um yeah. that they use like this sand eraser on drafting film yeah. To scratch it to get back a little bit of tooth. Do you ever do okay. that? I no? don't. I okay. don't. Yeah. Hmm. I have heard that of work. that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm hesitant because sometimes with some um, drafting film surfaces, uh, if you erase too much, you, you it, won't, it, it becomes non-receptive to colored pencil at all. Yeah. 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 Same um, thing can kind of happen with sanded paper. I don't know if you ever use sanded yeah. paper. But you can yeah. remove the tooth, you know. Yes. If you yeah. do, so I really kind of erase on drafting film if I can help it. Yeah. Maybe just with a, a needable eraser. But you know, I think there's there's the thing. I suppose I would say with art, like for me, how I've I and, and I'm not a professional. Like I'm not a. I didn't do an art degree. I, um, right. know, I, I don't. I don't consider myself to be an authority in any way. But for me, there's no rules, you know. So right. Right. I just think, you know, just because something works for somebody else, um, you know, if that works for you or it doesn't work for you or something else works for you, just do what exactly. works for you. You know, don't yes. get there's there's kind of no right or wrong because I right, think that's right. the that's the beauty of art and being creative is that we're all different and and something yeah. that works for someone else you know I I don't work on sanded surfaces because you know it, it doesn't suit my style but I absolutely love some of the artworks that I've seen other artists do on sanded surfaces so right, it's right. just a case of finding what works for you doesn't it yeah, really, it is, and I, I guess I could say the same thing for um, drafting film. Although I want to use it, um, I, yes. I hear about people being able to complete pieces a little bit faster. Um, you're not layering quite as much, uh, that kind of thing. And I don't know. There, there seems to be some freedom in that. It seems like to me, although it eludes me because. I just feel like I'm way out in left field when I'm on it, but I'll get there. You know, I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> yeah. I'll keep testing and I'll get there. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow. I mean, what's your favorite surface? It is sanded paper. It, I, oh, I it love, is. See? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love so sanded I think, surfaces um, and Stonehenge. A lot of artists it. fall into either one or the other category, don't they? You know? Yeah, it seems like. So you, you like to layer a lot. Yeah, I do, but I'm getting to where I like that less, where I want to just get it done. Um, And so sanded paper affords me that. You know, I can just get it done quicker. Yeah, Um, yeah. And using some of the background of the paper does not bother me as much as it used to bother me. I I, I used to think, oh, I got to get this completely covered, saturated, 100%. You know, I've got to use solvent. I've got to do all these things. And it's like, I, I think the artwork... Uh, still looks very compelling, even if I show some of the paper. Oh, I yeah, I totally agree. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. 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 Even more so, you know, I think um, 
Oh, I, I did a huge commission years ago. Um, it was a, a, a couple on a bridge in Europe. I can't, I think it was Austria or somewhere. Uh, and there was so much detail in the background and, um, you know, and, and it, I took, I did, da- took days to do it, put mm-hmm. so much work into it. And then the, the client sort of said, Oh, uh, I, it, it looks too realistic. I, I mean, they took it, they paid for it, but it was. Yeah. You know, I think you did when too you, good on this. <laughs> no, no, not so much. But I think sometimes it loses that arty factor. So I think yeah, sometimes yeah. when you allow yeah. some, you know, I love these portraits where they're sort of they've done the face and then they they sort of just with coming down to the shoulders, they just leave a little bit of line work and a kind of bit of rough shading. And well, that's what I liked about Grandpa yeah, Elliot. Yeah. I mean, it's oh, right, just okay. it emerges out of yes. the surface. You know, yeah, yes, I love that. Yes. Yeah, I love yeah. that too. I love that too because you know it's. it's um, I like to see a sense arty. of the medium too. Yes, that, for sure. Know, that's for sure. Yeah, my interests are changing. I think a little bit as well. Like the the type of style, I think is starting to change a little bit, which I'm fine with that. But uh, sometimes what I say I enjoy isn't exactly what I'm producing. You know, so right. and then I notice it kind of catches up with yes. what I say I'm, I'm enjoying <laughs> and then I'm producing oh, oh, look, something uh, that's kind of uh, like I'm the same you know I keep saying I want to go I want to go looser and then I'll start looser and then I'll go back and add more detail and then more detail and then it, it's, it's like, yeah. <laughs> well what do you want Karen do you want to get tired <laughs> or do you want to go loose you know? and, yeah <laughs> well it. you get in these tracks <laughs> in your mind and you're like this isn't yes. this is the way I do this <laughs> that's it that's it you know? so you and use I, acrylic you've used watercolor do you use oils or have you used I, I have used oils but you know anything I created was dreadful so <laughs> I, oils is not my medium at all and yet you know I love what other people do on, yeah. with oils but no it, it doesn't work for me um, there, what there about are, just acrylics by themselves have you done no, that I, I can't oh I have dabbled with acrylics but okay. I, I, I acrylics and I don't get on much at all because it's they, I don't know. They they dry too quickly. They look yeah. too plasticky. But that's just me, you know. Yeah, yeah. And once again, I see other artists do amazing works sure. with them. Oh, um, yeah. And you know, but it's no, no. And then graphite, you didn't really like that too well, or oh, I I um, I just I just love color. And again, Did you, you use know, charcoal I, at all? Have you used charcoal? No, charcoal's too messy for me. Yeah, but okay. you know what happens, and I'm sure I, I, I don't know if you're the same or you know, you jump on Instagram or Facebook and then you'll see what some other artist has created using a medium, oh, yeah. and you think, oh my god, I, I love that. that. I love yeah. that so much. I, I want to go <laughs> I gotta and do try that. It. And so yeah. yeah, I've got to try it. And then oh, I, you know, and charcoal's one of them. You know, I, I've seen. I went to a local gallery and they had done these, you know, six foot by six foot artworks of charcoal on paper. Oh, of, wow. um, of, oh, I think wow. it was sort of a, of Vietnam sort of, uh, oh, or it was, it was, they were war images, but oh, so cool. they were so, so clean. You know, yeah. and just and I was walking right up to these artworks, yeah. you know, looking for a smudge or something. <laughs> right, right. And I thought, how do they how, do that? How do they do <laughs> that? That always amazes. How do, they, how do they not have fingerprints all over yeah. the piece of paper? Yeah. You know, so then I'll go and get uh, charcoal, and I just have a complete mess. So, <laughs> did um, you spend hours there just examining? 
No, not really. Okay. I think I'm, I'm sort of, you <laughs> know, going by the charcoals half an hour and I think, oh, no, I'm no good at this and then, uh. you know, discard. I've got so many art materials sitting there that, you know, I, I bought on a whim and then yeah. ne- never used them. So, Oh, I got um, this I whole think... set of NeoColor 2 from Karen uh-huh. Dosh. And I, I yes. want to use them and I, yes. I've tested with them a lot. Like yes. I just, and I've used them in backgrounds the a little bit. But, yeah. Yeah. I'm the same. I'm the same, you know, and I think, oh, maybe one day I should have a big garage sale with all my, you know, art materials. <laughs> you'll but miss it. You, just, you just never know what you're going to pick up one day, do you? Right, right. You don't know. Yeah. Your no. interest could change in that direction. That's it. That's it. One time so, I went to a yard sale, and uh, this was the weirdest thing I think I've ever done related to art. I uh, saw that this guy was getting rid of all of these cartridges for taking old old-fashioned you know fingerprints uh apparently he was like a chief of police or something like that retired and he had boxes and boxes of these um just fingerprint black ink tabs you know and you open it up and they're brand new fresh <laughs> and you can get fingerprints and i thought I am going to create like this big mural size thing <laughs> and with my fingers, you know, and I hate touching oh, anything. I hate any so medium that you have to touch with your hands, you know, yeah. and uh, they sat in my garage for a few years and I finally got rid of them. Like that oh, was really? the dumbest thing I ever did. And he just gave them to me. He's like, you like, you want all that? I'm like, yeah. But anyway, but you, that never was, know. you never know. Right. I was never going to do anything with that though. <laughs> It was just so weird. I just got inspired for some dumb reason and thought I was oh, going to do that's something. That's hilarious. That's uh, hilarious. Yeah. Well, I I think I have a lot of art materials. You know, I've done wood burning and dabble with oh, ink my. and scratchboard yeah. and you name it, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, and all of them usually combined with colored pencils as well. Because it's just so fun to try something different, isn't it? Right. It is. It is. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's interesting just to – like you said, I mean, you're an experimenter. Just to test and experiment with color pen yes. is yes. just something that um, I don't know. I I don't get tired of that. Like I recently added water uh, to Polychromos and put that on sanded paper, and it, for whatever reason, just using a water brush, even it it dissolves that colored pencil, and yeah. it's not supposed to. And I don't know why it does that. It's no, I think they are. I think the Pablos are the only ones that are meant to be completely waterproof because I've yeah, had the water, same thing. Yeah, water resistant, right? Yeah, yeah. water resistant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, so they are a little them. bit water soluble. Oh, yeah. They don't yeah, they advertise are. that though. No. They don't talk about it, but no. You know, a lot but of people act kind of... like you can't do that. Oh no! I mean, you know, you get you your can't. purists, and I and I I appreciate purists because I think you know they they use mediums as they are meant to be used as they. You know, but then I think right. that's okay. You know, I respect you guys that are purists, yeah. but I'm not a purist, and I just I'm right. just curious. Well, what if I go against? Yeah. You know, what well, if I push the boundaries? Soluble. And yeah. Well, you, yeah. I often will use a water soluble pencil and never add water to it too. Right. I, mean, I go in that other direction too, and I love that because of that just that creamy, waxy feel like and with the ink it's more of a matte look you know where the yeah. waxy colored pencils are a bit shinier i think the yes. watercolor pencils will give you a, a kind of more matte look yeah exactly yeah it, yeah it does do that yeah. yeah yeah you don't have that strong reflection you get like with that's luminance right. or something yeah 
That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, and I love that look, and I love the feel of that. Like I, I will often use like bark uh, ink tints, uh, just to dry, as you know this grizzeye kind of method for the underpainting, and then go on top of that uh, wow. with your oil base, and it it's uh, it's so nice. Um, <laughs> It is. <laughs> just, you're just thinking of the think, first time you lay that pencil down, you know, and that yeah. feeling that you get. It's just so. I think that's the key. Yeah. You know, art should be fun and it should feel yeah. good. You know, yeah. so whatever, whatever makes you feel happy when you're creating is that's that's what you should go with. And I think it is a lot of that with colored pencil. There's that tactile kind of feel. Yeah. That we enjoy, you know. Yes. Um, and that clean kind of feel too. Oh yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. I mean, I'm I'm dabbling in watercolors at the moment. I'd I'd Art. like to master watercolors, but it's so so different to colored pencil, you know, because you don't have that control. You've got to right. just, you know, uh, allow whatever happens to happen. And whereas with colored pencils, they're so reliable for me. You know, they never let me down, yeah, and right. that's what I'm. <laughs> They're predictable. They will do they what are. you want them to do. And I think that's that's what I've always loved about colored pencils. But I, I think I've reached the point where I I need to, um, you know, ex ex go with something that's not quite so predictable sometimes. And that's going to help you loosen up, right? I hope so. Part of that. I path, hope so. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think what, look, you know, we're always, well, you hope that you're always evolving as an artist. I mean, yeah. if you just stagnate, then that's no fun. Right, so, right. Yeah, yeah. It's not fun for me. Yeah, exactly. No. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, even the masters evolved, you know. So yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so what is what what is some of the best advice you got um, regarding uh, your colored pencil um, techniques or anything like that that sticks with you? Think way back, you know, back in what is it, two thousand six or seven. When you started using colored pencil, maybe a little time after that, what was some advice that you just think back about and you're like, ah, that was it. That was, mm, that was what I really needed. That helped. That's a tough one because, <laughs> well, okay. you know, I, I think because I just kind of, I didn't seek out a lot of advice. Um, you just worked in seclusion and just tried to test and figure things out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, that's kind of how I learn best rather than sort of looking mm. at how other people have done things. I'm, I'm more the kind of person that, um, you know, just gets in. And I, I mean, say with portraits, it, it's probably, you know, things that I have learned along the way that, that, that I've then sort of realized that other people, you know, that they had already worked that out. So, like, you know, if you're what doing are some a of those things? Yeah, if you're doing a portrait and you're not sure if all your proportions and everything's sort of, you know, spot on, turn it sideways, turn it upside down, turn your reference mm -hmm. upside down, mm -hmm. and then, you know, there's a shift in your brain and you'll see issues that you couldn't see when they were both right, right way up. So that was something that sort of I have always done and then I've read in books since that other, you know, I think drawing on the from the right side of the brain or something yeah. like that, they advocate doing that kind of thing. Right, sure. And I think that's really, really important, you know, sometimes converting your artwork to um, a scan of your artwork and your reference to black and white to check your values that's right that's really right. important because i think in an artwork you know as we said earlier values are so much more important than mm -hmm. the colors you use you know right. um for giving depth and realism anyway 
what's some other advice? I mean, I, you know, it, it's it's the ones that you see all the time. You know, we are so guilty of comparing ourselves to other artists and yeah. What well, do you think you about know, that? Do you, yeah. so do you do that? I mean, did did you I, do that early on? Yeah. Uh oh, I, I think it's a it's a constant process. Yeah. You know that we we do do that. Um, right. And yeah, I, I I still do that, but then I'm mm-hmm. more focused now. Like it's really hard for me at the moment because I'm sort of wanting to move more into um, sort of whimsical works. Yeah. And I want to move to an illustrative style, but uh-huh. I I have this fear inside that you know you'll disappoint followers who are following you because you do realism, you know, and and so it's it's sort of overcoming that fear and thinking you know you have to. You have to go with your gut and not not draw, because I think right now for me to follow a path to continue on a path of realism isn't authentic. I'm doing it because I think that's what people expect of me. So I think, um, and I've spoken to other artists who work in an illustrative style who experience the same issues that an illustrative style isn't taken as seriously as those who work um, in realism. And you'll see it in social media, you know, if you, if you see an artwork that's absolute, you know, um, photorealism, of course it's going to get more likes. And so I'm trying to coach myself not to be, not to, not to well, be we'll focus right. on likes yeah. or comments or, right. you know, to follow my own path. So I think that is the most important advice for any artist. I love because that. We're, yeah, yeah, we're all so uh, – well, I, I, I'm hoping that we're moving away from it because I think it's it's a negative aspect of social media that, you know, to be focused on how many likes you get, how many comments you get. It, it, it's um, – and, you know, when you talk to artists who've, who've – experiencing a loss of mojo and I have had that recently too that a lot of times it might be because you've had negative feedback or you haven't had as many likes as you know somebody else and um, yeah that comparison game they actually there's studies that bear that out as well that uh, it can make you depressed yes um, if you're definitely. doing that comparison game you know and you're looking at whatever is shiny and bright and beautiful definitely. and you're comparing against that you know and I think, you know, when and, – and that's one of the reasons, you know, when because I, I admin a few groups on Facebook and mm-hmm. then you'll get you'll get new members and they're, mm-hmm. they're sort of untarnished. They're so enthusiastic about the medium yeah. and they, they're not yet kind of caught up in that, that sort of vicious circle of likes and comments. And, right. And, um, and it's really refreshing because they're just yeah. drawing because they love to draw. They love it. And they, they want to love share it. it. Yeah. And they're so yeah. excited. And they're so excited by colored pencils. And you right. get caught up in their enthusiasm. And so, yes. you know, yeah. when people will sort of comment, oh, I've got a loss of mojo. I don't know how to get over it. And, and so, you know, I'll say to them and I try and take my own advice. Just uh-huh. go back to remember why you picked up pencils in the first place. You know, try and yeah, exactly. go back to get that feeling again of, of right. just drawing for the sake of drawing without worrying yeah. about what anyone else is going to think. But that's, you know that's sort of the society that we live in today. It's um, it's so focused on you know what, what does everybody else think of this? But right. that's that's the trap because well, that's Instagram where- has done something I think recently that is very good though, and they've moved away from showing how many likes you know. How yeah, many and, and Facebook has gone the same way. I, I within great. Australia. 
within Australia now you can't, even on Facebook, you can't see how many likes other people have got on their artworks. I think they're going to roll that out everywhere as well. See, those vanity metrics, they, yeah. they do something to us that isn't good. I yes. Don't think. Yeah. No, I don't think so either. And it, 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 um, you know, I mean, you know, you talk about gallery, gallery representation. Um, I've gone to galleries over the years and, and just got knockback after knockback. So I've only ever been represented by one gallery and they've since closed down. And, um, you know, I think there's pros and cons of gallery representation. The, if you think about it, you know, with regional galleries, you're only going to reach you know, a certain number of people. Whereas right. with on online, you right. can reach you can reach so many more people. So, you know, sometimes if artists are, are depressed because they've also had a lot of knockbacks from from galleries, I think, yeah, but the world's changing and you can reach so yeah. many more people just by having a website online than you might right. reach through a gallery. But the the thing with a gallery, I suppose, there isn't the focus on likes and comments. It's just people looking at your artwork and appreciating it, you know. So there's pros and cons of both, but, um, you know, I, I, I just think as a society we've kind of got to move away from that focus of and just follow our own journey and where we want to go. But, you know, I've got to take that advice myself too. Yeah, yeah, it, it's yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Um, yeah. And we can fall into that trap. You're so right about that. Um, and And just that comparison game, you know, drinking of that um that cup of uh just comparing ourselves to others uh never it, it for me personally anyway it never leaves me in a good place no uh, it it just doesn't and no. so i really like that advice of comparing yourself to yourself and looking at yeah. your own progress and then thinking about you know where you want to go next uh and then following that path yeah. And you're doing that. I love that. And you're yeah. you're wanting to um, go in that direction of following your interests and your curiosities, which uh, is very inspirational uh, to to me, and I'm sure to anyone listening today, because that's you know that that really should be what it's about. Um, but I love that sensitivity, though, Karen, that you still are concerned about what you know, your followers and your readers may think about where you're headed. I don't think you're obsessing over it, but it sounds like you're at least sensitive to what may happen there, which, is, sure. which is great. For sure. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to let them down. Right, you know? right. Yeah, yeah. So the, mm -hmm. when you were doing things that were uh, very photorealistic, um, you, you talked several times about the fact that, you know, you get that criticism. Why not take a photograph, that kind of yeah. thing? And then being taken less seriously, perhaps, if you're doing things that are more illustrative. Yeah. Um, and do, are you getting that already, like with some of your more whimsical pieces? Oh, well, you definitely get fewer likes, um, mm -hmm. for sure. And, you know, the the Instagram followers drop off by the wayside. But, you know, you you sort of. Well, the you focus can't. is changing, so some of those yes. that were focused on photorealism, right, that would – those may be, perhaps. I think there's a general perception that uh, illustrative mm -hmm. work is easier, you know, that – There is um, that perception, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that – which for some people it may be easier. For me, it's jolly hard. For um, me, it's but, hard, too. That's yeah, not something that yeah. comes naturally. And yet – um. 
you know, if I'm looking at Instagram or Facebook, it's actually the illustrative works that will stop me in my tracks and <laughs> more that, you know. Me too. So, really? Yeah, really? it's the stuff that when I, especially like Pinterest, if I'm looking at Pinterest or something or Instagram, uh, but it, it seems like it's more organic that I'll find things that I'm just not really searching for on Pinterest. Yes. And it's yes. like, wow, I can see the medium in this. I can see brush strokes or drawing strokes in that. And I love that. There's just some yes. energy about it, you know, yes. that I just love. Oh, for sure. A freedom. Yeah. A freedom yeah, yeah. that I think. Um, you but it's know, still we... convincing and compelling and realistic, you know. Yes. Yeah. 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 For sure. And it's, it's, um, I think what I have struggled with, I'm not a super imaginative person. And, you know, actually, if there was one piece of advice that I kind of wish I'd received early in life, wish I'd actually applied, it was to have a daily drawing journal and just to take a journal with you everywhere and draw constantly. And, in, and I keep telling myself I need to do that, but then, you know, and I'll pack a journal and then I get talking <laughs> to the family or I, you know, yeah. get onto Facebook or whatever. But I, yeah, I do yeah. think that that is such an important piece of advice for expanding your mm -hmm. um, imagination, your awareness of, of – and I think my, my drawing, you know, because I say to people – and people – are often disappointed to hear that I, I trace an outline from my reference photos, you know, that, that then, and then they think, well, you're not a real artist because you do that. What do you and say I'm to that? The, well, I'm the first to admit, because I think we all excel in different areas. Right. So you'll yeah. get somebody else who's really good at drawing from life, you know, and they've got a great sense of perspective, but maybe they have no idea of color application. So that's right. their skill, you know. Yeah, and they me, enjoy that. They enjoy it. So if I draw from life, if I sit in the lounge and I, you know, draw one of the kids or whatever, it it's probably going to look dreadful. Um, and I and I guess I'm honest with myself that that's that's not my skill, and I probably don't enjoy that as much as I do um, adding the color and shading or whatever. Mainly because I know I'm not that good at it. But I think had I started early with the habit of having a journal and drawing, yeah. you know, I, I'd be a lot better at it. Um, but you know, I, I'm just honest with people and say, yeah, look, I'd love to be able to draw amazingly freehand, but that's not my skill. Uh, so I tend to focus on what I can do well. And, and, you know, I am working to try and improve my drawing skills, but you know, at the moment I'm time poor. And so I trace, you know, <laughs> right, I right. Mean, well, that, you know, yeah. And that, I'm, I'm that hangs up, uh, yeah, that hangs <laughs> up a lot of beginner artists. They feel guilty about that. Yes. And like, they're doing something that is just an anathema. This is just wrong. Yes. You know, I should not oh, yes. be doing that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I try to encourage um, young artists or those coming back to the medium or beginning for the first time that there's, there is nothing wrong with that. And get, you know, yeah. to try to get over that feeling of, Oh, you're cheating. Oh, you're, oh, yeah. you're, you're not yeah. a real artist. Oh, you're doing it wrong. Oh, you need to take some life drawing classes. Sure, if you want to, I think the level of enjoyment, though, is more immediate uh, when someone sees some quick results right away. Yeah. They can go back and they can, like you said, the journal habit, excellent. That's a very yeah. good thing to do. It's a good habit to keep as an yeah. artist. Yeah. But I don't think it should limit people. And I don't think they no. should just feel like they have to be able to draw a portrait from scratch right out of the gate. Uh, I, yeah. I just think that holds so many people back. 
if they oh, for sure. put that limitation sure. on themselves. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, Karen, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate your time and sharing so much of your process, your thought process in particular. I, I think people will be maybe surprised that, you know, you're you're just a, an experimenter and you're heading in the direction that your interests are pulling you and you're wanting to go in a more looser style going forward. I, I think that's fascinating. Um, you're, you're looked up to a lot. Um, you know, you're venerated and, uh, the venerable Karen Hull right here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to embarrass her or something oh, yeah. before, before I go here. So you anyway, no, thank you so much. For coming on. I really appreciate oh, thank it. Thank you, John. I thoroughly loved it. Thank you. Awesome. All right. So we will talk again soon. And this, I, I just want to give you guys a reminder, this video of the podcast interview is available inside the member circle. So if you haven't checked that out, go over to www.monthly-sharpener.sharpenedartist.com. And if you enjoy the show, this is a weekly show. Consider giving me a rating and or a review. I really appreciate that. And I'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.